Babylon's internal monologue. In this episode, we're going to be covering the Babylon 5 Season 5 episode, Learning Curve. So this is one of those episodes of Season 5 that garners the Season 5 reputation of the just sort of meh quality. Like, it's not a bad episode by any means. It is no infection or grade 17 is missing or TKO by any stretch of the imagination. It's just sort of a... Yeah, like you don't really care. Um, it's decent, has uh, some nice themes in it, uh, but it's ultimately outside of the Garibaldi and Lockley stuff about characters we've never heard of before and will never see again. Uh, and where Mac and Bo, the previous episode, you know, use that to highlight certain things about our main characters. Here, it's primarily just done for a thematic point. Uh, and that theme, while interesting, has already been covered in different ways throughout the previous season, so it just kind of feels inconsequential. It's not, like I said, not a bad episode at all. Like, B5 has a level of quality that few TV shows could manage. It's just, eh, it's an easily skippable episode. So let's talk about the main crux of this episode. Uh, you know, it's it's all the stuff with the Rangers. I like how we're seeing more of Ranger training. We got to hear from, you know, Marcus certain things about Ranger training. And there was a lot of ominous stuff. Like he's like, they taught me terror uh, and stuff like that. And now we finally get to see that in action. And it's pretty cool. Uh, and I like how in a post-Civil uh, War time for the Mimbari. The tensions between the uh, religious and warrior caste didn't really go away. Instead, it kind of simmers underneath the surface and was kept in check uh, by the current status quo. Uh, and the, the way uh, the, the way Durhan on uh, the in the other instructors sort of bounce off each other, it, it's sort of a rubby each other kind of way teasing type thing uh but it also there's a sense that there is a grain of truth in those jokes uh sort of politically charged jokes can often be like that uh and, and then of course everything to do with trace and near um you know you, you sort of have the situation where uh there's a power vacuum on b5 uh, Negrath gets a mention. Uh, he hasn't been talked about since season one, really. Um, and so it, it's really nice to hear him, uh, hear about him. Apparently, you know, he's been taken down. And so, like, this guy called Trace is trying to take power. And he's kind of like that. Um, he thinks, he, he, he's the kind of person that thinks he's tough, that thinks he's important. You know, they, they straight up call him a bully later in the episode. And that is absolutely true. Um, but he's the kind of criminal that thinks he's a big wig, but he's not. He's anything but. Uh, just because he's got a couple successes on him doesn't make him, you know, a major important figure. He strikes me as a silk type character. That is a uh, character from Daredevil, specifically by Michael Bendis' run. He was the son of an important crime boss. He was pawned off to the middle of nowhere because he was a troublemaker, but he thought he was a hot shot. 
Uh, and so he made a play for the big leagues. And, well, it goes really bad for him. Uh, just like it does here for Trace. Uh, and... I, I like seeing Zach's detective style. We've we've touched on this a couple times that he is different from Garibaldi. He's not as uh sort of rough and tumble as Garibaldi. He's a bit more laid back, uh, but he is just as personal as Garibaldi. You know, he's got that uh you know ear to the ground sort of uh one with the people attitude. Uh, and then you know the Rangers are here. You know, uh, to talk to Delin. Obviously, and there, there's interesting concepts about uh, finding strength through differences. What do we do with the Pakmara? You know, because the you know the Pakmara are uh, you know not exactly a traditional race in the Babylon Five sense. Uh, they're carrion eaters for start, and so it, this new ISA you know status quo, as we've seen the past couple episodes, it's grand, it's wonderful, it's optimistic. But it still has its problems. You know, this the ISA is a symbol. And symbols are cleaned up versions of what really goes on. And we're seeing what really goes on. This ISA wants to be something. It wants to be that symbol, but it's going to have to work to get there. And, of course, the Rangers being part of that, it's just one small step, you know. Uh, and th there's a lot of interesting stuff done with Tanir and how meaning comes from the heart when trace beats him up and and then uh you know the instructors talk to him and uh, and the other one you know it, it's uh it's talking about a lot of very, very uh zen type uh thinking which we kind of see you know the rangers are sort of like warrior monks of living in the moment understanding that what you do right now uh, has uh, you know uh, has meaning simply because you're doing it right now uh, it ties back into that right person the right time right place theme that was running throughout you know the early seasons of B5 and you know that we apply meaning the world does not apply meaning you apply meaning to your actions and you need to understand that what you do of uh, will be judged, yes, but you need to do it because it comes from your heart. Uh, and uh, and that, that's sort of an interesting contrast to Trace, who uh, is entirely all about uh, other people you know, prescribing meaning onto what his actions are. Uh, to be the big boss, he, others must fear him. And of course, leading through fear doesn't really accomplish much. It just leads to resentment, anger, and eventually strife that will lead into rebellion. You know, it's not something that works fully, you know. And Trace is all about that application of strength. Uh, and he fails to understand that a, a house built on a weak foundations cannot stand. Uh, that... You know, strength it does not maintain power. Strength is a tool. Strength provides power, but you must put in the work to maintain it. It is a tool, and just like every other tool, it must be used correctly in tandem with the rest of your tools. It, once again, ties into that strength and differences theme. Uh, and that that same where Tanir faces Trace, it's, uh, they, they talk about it's about reclaiming your terror. 
uh, or in other words, reclaiming your agency, you know, by, you know, standing up to Trace and being beaten, you know, the near death, you know, his agency was taken away. I have been bullied, but it's only been verbal. I've never been physically bullied. Uh, but there's there's a lot of situations in bullying where you demean yourself because you can't fight back. Uh, and uh, you begin to view that bully as an invincible, you know, force. There's no way you can fight back. And of course, with this, they're having to near not necessarily fight back, uh, you know, uh, directly they're, they're they're having him challenge him obviously but it's more about reclaiming your inner strength reclaiming your agency reclaiming your terror understanding that no matter how hard it gets you can still say no that you can still you know be yourself that just because somebody knocks you down doesn't mean you can get it doesn't mean you can't just get right back up you know uh and i, I like how Tanir doesn't feel triumphant when he beats Trace uh, he feels pity because ultimately a bully is a coward a scared child who's lashing out at the world uh, because uh, they uh, crave control in some capacity they want something and they're using their natural strength or what have you to gain that control they and you know a house built on you know weak foundations cannot stand and so that will eventually crumble and the moment you show any ounce of resistance they show their true colors because they're so used to not having to do that and we see that when trace you know is dealing with people we see that he lets his henchmen do most of it uh, he maybe gets one or two punches in, but he never really does much. And, and then, of course, that shows again when he faces Tanir in that that one-on-one, and he just can't do it. He, you know, he, he, he's all bark and no bite. Um, like I said, it is an interesting concept to, to take the Rangers, their warrior monk mentality, explore that while also exploring the themes of bullying and the effects of bullying. But Ultimately, we have seen uh, the effects of bullying in a sort of macro scale uh, before in this show. Uh, you know, the Ministry of Peace were effectively bullies, uh, and, and we saw the torment that they could rot until someone faced up against them. Uh, so this is a theme that has already been explored in the series, and this is with characters that we have never, you know, never met before and will never meet again. And outside of Tanir and Durhan, I can barely remember their names, and I've watched this show many, many, many times. That should say something. It's, once again, this is one of those episodes that garners the reputation Season 5 has, um, where it's ultimately inconsequential next to the next part of this episode, which is... Uh, really the main bit of the episode that I really like is the confrontation between Garibaldi and Lockley. This has been boiling a couple episodes now, uh, and like I said, when Lockley was first introduced, her connection with Garibaldi is, I think, one of the strongest aspects of her character, uh, and it will continue to grow from here. Um, but I like how, uh, Garibaldi's the kind of person that can't let things lie. He's gonna... You know, he, he, he's a detective. He's got to know. 
and so he confronts Lockley about what side she was on. And that scene is very tense. And what I like about it is that both of them are simultaneously right and wrong. You know, Garibaldi got screwed over by Clark's side. So obviously he has a bit of a grudge against that. Uh, you know, and Lockley uh, is a soldier at heart. She believes in duty and honor. Uh, and she cannot navigate the moral quagmire it takes to take up arms against your own government. Uh, you know, military setting policy is a dangerous very dangerous road to go down uh and it has ended poorly and it has ended well many times throughout history uh and so i can perfectly understand her resistance to joining the resistance you know it's not something that uh is an easy choice uh sure clark's clark's regime was a fascist regime it was horrible it was abusing human rights it should have it should be taken down but there is a line between actively cooperating and actively going against your morals. And that's a line that is very blurry and has been talked about through and through many different times in various different circles. You know, the Nuremberg trials, etc. And I'm not going to step a you know, my foot in the puddle there. I'm just saying that it is a very hard line and it is hard for us to judge having not been affected by this. Uh, and not having to do the mental and moral gymnastics it, re it requires to either support this kind of regime or go against it and raise up arms actively against your own government. Uh, and I like how they both can uh, can argue uh, pretty on equals bounds on their ethics uh, and their morality, uh, and that ultimately neither of them comes out on top in that argument. Uh, you know, people clap for Lockley's answer, but it's clear that Garibaldi also has an edge in that. Uh, and ultimately, I do I, I do understand where both of them are coming from, and I, I think it is a complicated topic. Uh, and once again, I think it would have been more effective if we had saw Lockley uh, in the previous season, like... Uh, the I believe it was the first officer on the Heracles uh, that took over and then said that she doesn't feel like it's the right of the military to set policy, uh, but she was not willing to go against, you know, go with illegal orders. Uh, if that character had been Lockley, I think that would have been, it made this more powerful and more impactful to the audience. But once again, Lockley was not a character created yet because they didn't know that Claudia Christian would not return. And of course, the, the mystery of how uh, Lockley knows Sheridan and why he trusted her of all people is sort of a mystery, quote-unquote. Um, I don't like how it's handled in this episode. I think I think we should have seen it. I, I'm just going to go ahead and spoil it because it's just going to come out next episode and the, several characters already know in this episode and it's... It's not really much of a mystery. You know, they were married for two weeks. 
during uh, during their time in the military academy that they had a brief love affair it got serious then they realized they weren't good for each other and they split very quickly but that connection is still ultimately there in some form or another so he knows that no matter what he can trust her and she can trust him uh and that's why of all people someone who was on the opposite side but understands who he is understands where he's coming from and someone he know he knows on a very personal level that's why he asked for her and i don't like how it is treated as a mystery uh to us the audience and it is not it, we get to see the aftermath of him telling the lynn and uh it just leaves me going huh because well first of all um you know, I think we should have seen the conversation between him and Dylan, him coming clean, because it, it sort of echoes what Dylan did in a small way of hiding the, the fact that Anna was still alive. Um, and I also think that Sheridan might have already told her, you know, just keeping his character, obviously for, you know, practical and plot reasons he hadn't. Uh, mainly because the character didn't exist but prior to this season. But it, it kind of is on iffy ground whether he is, um, you know, out of character for not telling her. I, I ultimately land on that he's still in character. It's just that uh, I think we should have seen the scene and see how he truly handled it instead of just seeing the aftermath and Dylan obviously, understandably being a bit peeved, you know, and giving him the cold shoulder. Um, but yeah, like I said, this episode is one really weird episode of the fact that ultimately it's a major plot thread. It's a plot is about characters we we have never met, we'll never see again, and unlike Mac and Bo, doesn't really serve an ultimate purpose of exploring our main characters. Uh, and then our B plot is actually interesting but tries to artificially create mystery and drama where I don't think there is any. Uh, so overall, one of the weaker episodes of B5, but not horrible. It is serviceable. It's meh. Once again, Babylon 5 has a consistent quality. It's nowhere near the level of TKO or Infection, which are you know two of my least favorite episodes of all time in B5. Those are by far worse, which is why I ultimately believe Season 5 comes out on top in that Season 1, Season 5 quality debate. But anyway, see you next time. Bye. Bye.